Well, have you ever made a promise you couldn't keep? Like you, you promised you would do something, you would be there and you're thinking immediately, like, why did I promise that? Like, there is no way I, I can come through on that promise. There's no way I, I, I could, I could do that. Uh, several years ago, my brother-in-law, uh, text messaged me and one of my brothers who happens to be here, uh, today, which is why I'm, I'm sharing this story uh, about him today instead of about myself. Uh, I have three brothers and my brother-in-law texted me who's watching online right now because my son's getting baptized. He texted me and my brother and said, Hey, let's run a marathon in uh, nine months or so. And uh, I immediately texted back and say, no way. Uh, I don't run, I don't like running. Uh, a mile is about good for me, okay? I, I'm not looking to run like 26.2 miles. You know, that's just, sounds like hell. And so I was like, no, I'm not doing that, okay? Well, my brother Travis wrote back and said, yeah, sure, I'm down, let's do it. Okay, nine months, who cares? You know, year, whatever, I'm, I'm down, let's do the marathon. And, and so Travis made a promise that he would run this marathon with my brother-in-law, okay? But even though he had great intentions of doing this and preparing for it, he probably didn't prepare like he should, okay? He might've done like half the days on the, the couch, you know, to the track app or whatever it is. And so, so he was preparing, but he didn't prepare enough. And he didn't know what clothes you're supposed to wear when you run a 26.2 mile marathon. And so the shirt that he was wearing when he ran this marathon rubbed his nipples raw. In fact, they made him bleed. <laughs> he had bloody nipples at the end of that marathon. He had great intentions, but he didn't prepare the way that he should have. And we all have great intentions, right? I mean, if you're a college student, you probably have great intentions about going to every class this semester, okay? But we all know that's not happening, okay? I'll never forget a few years ago at Raider Church, it was a college ministry that a lot of us were doing, and we kind of planted this church kind of from that. And so we're doing Raider Church, and I was speaking very first week of the year, college, the school semester had just started two days, maybe, into the semester. And I said, hey, raise your hand if you've already skipped a class every hand in the room went up. We're two days into the semester, okay? You start out a college semester, you were probably there thinking 8.30, 9 a.m., I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna be there every day, every day this semester, I'm going to class, and then that first day, and you're like, snooze, no thanks, not going to class today. Next day, snooze, no thanks, not going to class, I'm sure I'll be all right. I'm sure I'll, I'm gonna make good grades. Am I gonna go, no, I'm not going to class, but I'm gonna make good grades. We've got good intentions. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat differently, right? We've all got great intentions. When I'm married or when, when, when we're married, then things will be different. We want our kids in church. We want them to have a great foundation. So we'll do that right when baseball season's over. Or I want a faith like hers. I want a faith like his. Man, they've got a solid faith. I want a faith like that. So man, after hunting season, we're going to get right on that faith. Okay. I'm going to get on having a faith like his, but, but, but after, after hunting season, once I make more money, then I'll be generous. Okay. You kind of laughed at my first one, but not really since then. Okay. It's gotten a little quiet. The reason for that is you're not unique or you're unique, but your story's not. Let's say that because we've all been there in every area of our lives. We've got great intentions. The problem is good intentions count for nothing. Promises, potential will never get you anywhere. 
They will never get you to the right destination. So how do we get there? How do we get to the right destination? That's what we've been talking about in this series called Track to the Future. If you were here last week, we talked about how there's two different paths. There's two different tracks, roads, if you will, to the future. Jesus said there's a wide road that most people are on that leads to destruction. And there's a narrow road that very few people are on and it leads to life. And so he said there's two tracks. One leads to destruction, one leads to life. And that's true in every area of life. There's a path that leads to destruction. There's a path that leads to life. And the great news is if you ever find yourself on the path to destruction, you can get off that path that most people are on and you can get on the narrow path that leads to life if you give your life to Jesus or if you're a Christian, if you come back to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, there's a path that leads to life. Two different tracks, two different futures. And so here's what we've been saying in this series and we'll continue to say it today. It's your decisions today are what determine your destination. It's your decisions that you're making today. And we said last week, but no, 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 no. Listen, you don't understand. My decisions today are just a diversion. I'm really headed this way. I promise this is the direction I headed. I promise that's where I'm going. I'm just going to do this today. Okay. This is a diversion. All right. It's not determining my destiny. I'm going this way. That's my direction. That's my destination. My decisions today are just a diversion for I'm actually headed. We said, no, that's not true. That's a lie. Our decisions today are what are determining our destination. Your potential, your promises, your great intentions don't amount to anything. They're worthless. It's your decisions today. So turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Let's kind of take a next step in this series. Let's see what's next. Proverbs chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen. They're also on our app. If you haven't downloaded that, it's called the City Church Lubbock. You can download that in your app store. It's kind of the, the hub. It's the central place for our church to get connected and plugged in and, and, and stay up to date on what's going on. It's the place to take any next step. And you can also, when you download it, you can select message notes and you can follow along with us. The, the, the verses and the points are there. You can fill in the blank as you go and uh, email yourself your notes at the end of today, so you can take that with you. Proverbs chapter 14. This is written by a man named Solomon, King Solomon. So let me kind of show you where we're at in history, okay? First of all, the first king of Israel is King Saul. God rejects Saul because of his arrogance and his pride, anoints David as king, right? And, and it's a while though before, uh, or between when David is anointed as king and when he actually takes over as king. But, but under David's rule, the nation of Israel grows and is blessed and prospers. They grow in power and might and wealth. There's growing and then King David's son Solomon takes over and, and still they're, they're growing in power and might and wealth and people from all over the world, leaders from all over the world are coming to listen to what Solomon has to say. How, how do we get to where you are, Solomon? How, how do we experience what you've experienced in life and in your rule as king? And they would come from all over asking him all kinds of questions because Solomon was known to be one of the wisest men to ever live. And he, he, he learned a lot of the things that He's known for, though, by trial and error, like a lot of us learn them, right? Because he made a lot of mistakes, too. But Solomon's known to be one of the wisest men to have ever lived. And here's what he said in Proverbs chapter 14. Let's read this together. Only simpletons, it's another word for fools, only fools believe everything they're told. And man, that couldn't be more applicable today, right? I mean, all the, the articles and the fake pictures and videos and everything that's been doctored today, you're not really sure what to believe or what to trust. These flies are back. Um, 
We've got, we've got traps everywhere. We've had them in here all week. We've literally killed a couple hundred flies in the last week. If you were here last week, you know why I'm saying that, but, but there's one that survived all of our traps. Um, so only simpletons believe everything they're told. But the prudent, Solomon says, the wise person, watch this, carefully considers their steps, not their intentions. The wise person doesn't bank on their promises, their potential. No, the wise person carefully considers their steps. Say this with me. The prudent carefully consider their, man, 9 a.m., murdered y'all on that. I'm just not, I'm not going to lie. Okay. You got to do a lot better than that. All right. The prudent carefully consider their steps. Turn to the person next to you and say, get to stepping. Don't actually leave the building. Okay. It's a figurative, figurative, get to stepping, not a literal one. All right. Solomon says, you're a fool. If you believe what someone tells you, the same could be true for believing what you tell yourself. Oh, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to make a change. I, I'm, I, I'm going to do this today, but, but I'm really headed in this direction. A fool believes sometimes even what they tell themselves, but we trick ourselves into believing when you're in love or when you're excited about something, right? You'll, you'll believe almost anything you're told. You'll justify things. You'll make excuses for things. If you're excited about something, I mean, when you're in love, you'll believe things like this. I get, I'll get a job. I promise. I know I play video games till 3 a.m. any morning. I know I'm, I know I'm like on call of duty till 4 a.m. with my microphone on with my buddies, you know, but, but I promise I'm going to get a job. I promise I'll get a job. I promise I'll stop drinking. I know I get wasted every week. Listen, and I'm going to get wasted this weekend, but, but one day, okay, I will stop all the drinking. I'm going to get out of debt. Babe, I promise when we get married, I will get out of debt. I know I'm spending more than I make right now. And, um, you know, I, I did it again this week, but, but man, when we get married, I promise we will get out of debt. I will change. Solomon says this, wise people carefully consider their steps. They know that good intentions and promises are worthless. They consider their steps. Some of you guys got that Fitbit. Maybe you got the, the Apple watch that tracks your steps, you know? And, and if you're like me, you, you look at it, you, you think, man, I know I've done like 20,000 steps today. Surely. I mean, I've been walking. I, I, I mean, I've got all kinds of steps. You check your watch and it's like a thousand. How have I only done a thousand steps today? Or someone tells you how many steps, let me see your watch. Show me your watch. Show me how many steps you've actually been taking. I don't believe it. I don't trust it. Yeah. Look there. You've only done a thousand steps. You ain't done 20,000 steps. The wise person carefully monitors, tracks, watches their steps. The same could be said for the people around you. The wise person, especially if these are people you're relying on, that you're trusting in, that you're hoping in, a wise person will consider that person's steps. They won't just listen to everything that's coming out of their mouth. They will consider their steps. A wise person understands you have to prepare before you make a promise. A wise person understands that what happens today impacts tomorrow. A wise person understands that the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. A wise person understands that intentions, promises are really meaningless. A wise person understands this. We talked about this last week, the principle of the path. If you're here, you know what I'm talking about. A principle is something that happens to you. It's not so much a, a new thing that's discovered 
A principle is something that's always been around. It's always existed. You just now have a way of explaining it. And you can leverage a principle to your benefit or you can ignore it to your demise. And so last week we talked about, remember I gave you the example of Archimedes' principle of buoyancy. Why certain things float and other things sink. You can ignore that principle to your demise and you can drown, right? Or you can leverage the principle of buoyancy and you can take a cruise, man, and you can have a great time. You can leverage it to your benefit, to your blessing, or you can ignore it to your demise. And so we said last week that the principle of the path is that direction determines destination. We're going to add to that this week. Here we go. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. It's direction, not your intentions that determine your destination. There cannot be a gap between where you want to go, the destination, and your intentions. There can't be a gap there. Here's why. Because your direction will trump your intentions 100% of the time. Direction is undefeated and it's battle against your intentions. Direction trumps intentions every time. And so why it's, it's why your parents will ask girls, maybe they asked you, you know, they asked you this when you're growing up. Maybe they've asked you if you're a teenager, college student. It's why your parents will ask when you talk about going out with some boy or going on a date and they ask you, well, what, what, what's his job? What, what does that have to do? He's, he's hot. He likes me. I like him. You know, we're just going on a date. It's just for, this is just fun. Like what, what's, what's the deal with the, with the, with the questions? Well, no, what, what does he like to do? What, what are his hobbies? Is he in school? Does he make good grades? Does he have a job? It's mean. Does he play video games? Because that's if he plays video games, like you're just no, that's not going to work. Okay, so 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 they're at, they start asking you these questions. Why? They're trying to determine a direction, because they don't want you hanging around with or getting investing in or starting to love something or like something that's headed in a wrong direction. We can love things that are bad for us. The scripture says the heart is deceitful above all else. No one can trust it. You can't trust your heart. You can't trust what you like to do or what you want to do or what or who you love. You can't trust those feelings. We can love things that are bad for us. And so the last thing's like, well, what's he do for a living? What's his job? What kind of grades does he get? Guys, it might be why your wife asks when you're going on that work trip, or you're going to play golf or whatever, and they'll say, is, is he going to be there? What, is, what difference does that make? Well, he is not heading in a good direction and I don't want him rubbing off on you, okay? I know you've got great intentions. I, 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 listen, I trust you. I trust your intentions, but I'm not so sure about him. Or she might say, I'm not so sure about her. Is she gonna be there? Because <laughs> if she's gonna be there, you're not gonna be there. I don't even trust her intentions, okay? I may trust your intentions, I don't trust hers. But even if I do trust your intentions, direction trumps intention every single time. So a wise person considers their steps. They consider the steps of people around them. And so it's a good question to ask about people you're trusting in, you're relying on, not just about yourself. Is there a gap between their intentions and their direction? So when you're dating a friend, a business partner, your kids, is there a gap between your intentions and your directions. And when there is, it's because we're ignoring the principle of the path and we're believing this lie. We're believing a myth that our promises are a substitute for preparation. We believe that our intentions are actually a substitute for the time investment, for the steps 
That's a myth. It's a lie. And so we say things like, I promise I'll get better grades. I'll do better at work. I'll be faithful. I'll never leave. I'll ditch the bad habits. I promise my, my recent past won't show up in our future marriage. I promise. You see, the problem is people think they can promise their way past their lack of preparation. And that's impossible. You can't promise your way past a lack of preparation. Promises just get you bleeding nipples, right? Just pain and regret. <laughs> that's all promises will get you. You got to consider your steps. Nick Saban, football coach of Alabama, is known, he's famous for saying, I'm looking for players who love the process, the daily process. Everyone wants to show up on game day. Everyone wants to play for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, right? I mean, everybody wants to be out on the field on game day. He's looking for people, he said, who love the process. What is he talking about? He's looking for people who love daily practice. And if you don't love practice, if you don't love the weight room and the drills and the, and, and the practice, the daily process, then he says, you're not going to make it at Alabama because I'm looking for people who love the process. You see, Nick understands the principle of the path. It's direction. It's not your intentions. It's not your promises. Oh, I'm gonna, I'll show up on game day. Yeah, I'm not going to show up to practice at all this week. I'll show up on game day and I will be ready to go. You don't get to play then because you can't promise your way past a lack of preparation. So here's a challenge for you. Ask someone close to you that loves you, that cares about you, that you believe want what's best for you. Ask them, where do I have gaps between my intentions and my direction? Where, where, where do I have some gaps? Humble yourself and invite that conversation. Where are you seeing gaps? Remember we said it last week, it's usually other people in our lives that see our decisions forming a direction of our life. We always see them as diversions and so we don't think they're that big of a deal. So invite that conversation. Where, where do you see gaps between my intentions and my direction? But here's the first step. The first step Consider your steps, right? The wise person considers your steps. So here's step number one. Step number one is confessing, I don't know the steps. And if you're here today and you're like, hey, listen, I'm here to get the steps from you. I don't know the steps either. I'm just a guy who's pointing you to a guy who does know the steps. The first step and the confession of every single Christian is I don't know the steps. And that's true if you've been a Christian for five days or 50 years. Every day, a Christian wakes up and says, I don't know the steps. That's why I'm following the guy who does know the steps. He knows where to go. He knows how to get there. I'm following him. I don't know the way. And that's what Thomas said. Thomas, who had spent all that time with Jesus, tells Jesus in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about going to heaven and preparing a place for him. And, and Thomas is saying, whoa, 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 Jesus. And, and 
Thomas was always saying what was on everybody else's mind. He was the realist. He was the one guy in the group who wasn't fake, who wasn't promising all these things like Peter. I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'll never forsake you. Even if everyone else does, I'll never do it. And Thomas is like, I don't know. You know, I probably could. I, you know, if the given situation's right, I, I could see myself, you know, denying. I mean, Thomas was real. Thomas is saying, hey, listen, everyone else believes that Jesus is real. I'm not going to believe it unless I touch the wounds in his hand and in his side. And sure enough, Thomas saw those wounds. And he saw that hole in Jesus' side and Thomas believed. But, but Thomas was always the one that was never fake. He was the one you could walk up to him and probably say, hey, Thomas, how's your day? And he's like, well, how much time do you got? Because uh, this is what's going on in my day. He's not the one that's going to tell you, hey, man, brother, I am blessed. Things are great. I'm doing well. Thomas was going to give you the truth. He was going to tell you what was really going on, really on his heart. And so when everyone else is kind of nodding their heads while Jesus is talking about going away and going to prepare a place for them, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Thomas is like, what? We don't know where you're going. How do we get to where you're going, Jesus? We want to be with you. You remember what Jesus told Thomas in John chapter 14? You remember what he told him? Thomas, here's step number one. And then when you've done step number one, here's step number two, right? And then when you've completed step number two, you fix that up. You've kind of cleaned that up in your life. Here, here's step number three to get to where I'm going. Right? He gave him the one, two, three, didn't he? No. Jesus didn't give Thomas a one, two, three. He gave him a follow me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. It's not one, two, three, Thomas. It's follow me. The invitation this morning, if you find yourself headed in a wrong direction, is not step one, two, three. The only step you take is, I don't know the way. I don't know the steps. But Jesus, I trust and believe that you do. And so I'm giving my life to you because the steps, the answer aren't one, two, three. It's follow me. Jesus said, follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I will get you there. We come to Jesus looking for answers. We want solutions to our problems. We want what he can do for us. And Jesus just wants us. He wants you. He's not here to give you a system. He wants a relationship. And so when Thomas says, I don't know the way, I don't know the steps to take. Jesus says, I'm the way. Follow me. Told you last week, I said it often, say it almost every week. Don't ever leave here thinking the answer to your problems are do better and try harder. Don't ever leave here thinking that the way you're going to be right with God is if you do better and try harder. We don't do better and try harder our way into the kingdom of God. That's not the way it works. You might be surprised to know that the scripture says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, that salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. In other words, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you're forgiven of your sin when you give your life to Jesus. You see, the scripture says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. God has a standard for you to be in relationship with him and to go to heaven when you, when you die. He has a standard and you and I fall way short of that standard. Because the standard is moral perfection. Everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought. And so I don't know about you, but I fall way short way short of that standard. And the bad news is that the scripture says the wages of sin is death. And so in the same way, if you break man's law, you pay man's fine. If you break God's law, you pay God's fine. And God's fine for sin is eternity separated from him in a place called hell. There's a fine for sin. 
The wages of sin is death. It's eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But God loves you so much. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came and paid the fine for your sin and for my sin. And then three days later, after he died on that cross, he rose from the grave and he conquered the grave. He conquered death itself. So at the cross, he conquered your sin. At the resurrection, he conquered death itself. And so that's why Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even though you die, you will live. I'm the resurrection and the life. I conquered your sin. I conquered death itself. So trust in me. Give your life to me and you will receive eternal life. In other words, the bookends on life are off. Eternal life starts now. If you'll follow me. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know today is your day. Now is your time to give your life to Jesus so that you could be forgiven of your sin so that you could be made right with God, so that you could know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. Not because of what you've done, not because you do better and try harder, but because you gave your life to Jesus and your fine was paid for. And so if you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time, I would challenge you, jump on our app, fill out our connect form and check that box that says you're committing your life to Christ. We'd love to follow up with you and just help point you in the right direction from here. The invitation is follow me, not one, two, three. And the same thing is true for you. If you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years, the invitation this morning is not one, two, three. It's follow me. A Christian wakes up every day and says, I don't know the way. I don't know the steps. There is zero room for pride and arrogance in the life of any follower of Jesus because we wake up every day saying, I I don't know the way. I need a shepherd that I can follow that will show me the way, that will show me the steps I need to take. It's why in John chapter 15, Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Some translations say, remain in me. And what? And you will bear much fruit. But then Jesus gives us a warning. Apart from me, you you can't do anything. Apart from me, you can't do anything. But if you remain in me, you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. Do you hear the invitation to a relationship there? Not one, two, three. It's abide in me. Hang with me. Plant yourself with me. I love Psalm chapter one, verse one through three. It says this. Oh, the the joy. Do you hear the, 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 the joy? The joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But watch this. But they, who are they? Those who have joy. They delight in the law of the Lord. That's the scripture. Meditating on it day and night. Day and night. Not one, two, three. This is a daily relationship. Day and night. They are like trees that are planted along the riverbank. And we understand that in West Texas, right? The only green vegetation is next to water. You can always find water. I, I grew up hunting on a deer lease where, where there was barren, but you could always spot where a river was because of the trees that would line up on either side of that river bank. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all 
They do. I don't know about you. I'd love for that to be true of my life. Prospering in all that I do, my leaves never withering. But if that's going to be the case, Psalm 1 makes it clear. We've got to plant ourselves in the presence of God, spending time in God's word, spending time with, with God's family, hearing from God, worshiping, hearing God's word, reading God's word. It's a daily relationship. Remain, abide, plant. In other words, you've got to put some roots down in the presence of God. Spending time with God, coming together with God's people, his kids, his family, worshiping him, hearing God's word. We've got to put some roots down in the presence of God. There, there's a daily commitment there of growing in a daily relationship with Jesus. It's not one, two, three, it's, it's follow me. See, here's what you've got to understand. It's true about every area of life is that the fruit you can see is always the result of a root that you can't see, a planting so when we look at professional athletes, we look at the fruit, we see them showing up on Saturdays and Sundays and we think, man, I, man I'd love to be like that. I'd love to, to be able to be on that field. But we don't understand the fruit that we can see is the result of a root of daily process, a daily practice at that sport. That's true in any area of life. It's also true as a Christian. If you wanna see spiritual fruit in your life, you've gotta plant yourself. You gotta put some roots down the presence of God and have a daily commitment there to walk with Jesus and to walk with the family of God. You gotta put some roots down. Nearly 20 years ago, almost, I was, I was 20 years old and um, I wanted to ask Darby to marry me. And so, I went over, I asked her parents, she was out of town on a trip and I went over to her parents' house and I asked if I could speak with them. And so I think they knew and I knew, you know, what's, what's about to happen here. Cause when I showed up and Darby's mom answered the door, she had this huge smile on her face. And uh, you know, we're trying to do small talk, but it's like, that's really weird and awkward when you kind of all know what's about to happen. And so we sit down and uh, I asked if um, I could ask, I asked him if I could ask Darby to marry me. <laughs> and her dad got up and left the room. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh gosh, what's about to happen here? And you don't know, are you coming back with a gun, a rope? What's, what's going on here? And, uh, but he came back with his Bible and uh, he turned to the end of it. And he showed me in his Bible where on the day that Darby was born, he had written out a prayer where he was praying for her husband. And he told me, he said, today that, that prayer has been answered, Clayton. It's an incredible, incredible moment. And um, <laughs> well, when I look back on that, and Darby, we joke about this, but when you look back on it, and maybe you've done the same thing, I look back on it, I'm like, I was 20 years old. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> Why would you have said, I got my own daughter now, and I'm like, nope, no way. Like, there's no way that's happened. Not at, not at 20. We, we got married when we were 21, but... I look back on that and I'm like, what were you thinking? What did you see? What, what did you see? And sometimes I'm like, I, I really don't know. I don't know what they saw. I was in college. 
uh, I was, had three different part-time jobs because my passion ministry wasn't, uh, I didn't have enough experience. I didn't have a full-time job yet and that's what I wanted to do, but I was making a couple hundred dollars a month as a youth ministry intern at the church I grew up in. And um, so when I look back on that, I'm thinking, I, again, I, I, I'm always thinking, you know, what, what were they thinking? What did they see? But you know, as I become a dad and I have my own kids, I can look back on that and I can, I can venture to guess now what they saw. And I think they saw two things. One, I think they saw a heart for Jesus. Not someone who was perfect, not someone who hadn't made a lot of mistakes, because I had, but I think they saw someone who loved Jesus and they didn't just say it. I didn't just say it. I think they saw it in my life. I was committed at my church. I was serving at my church. I was heavily involved. I think they saw a daily and weekly commitment to the body of Christ, which meant there was a commitment there to Jesus. And so I think they saw a heart for Jesus. I didn't just say it. I didn't try to convince anybody of it. I think they saw it. And then two, I think they saw steps in the right direction. In other words, here's what I mean. I wasn't just saying I wanted to be a pastor. I transferred to Wayland, got started working on my degree in Christian ministry. I had two other jobs to help provide uh, for myself while I was working my ministry hobby, making a couple hundred dollars a month. I think they saw that I was doing what it took. I was getting the education. I was getting the work experience that I needed in order to pursue this ministry career, this career I had in mind. I wasn't just talking about it. I wasn't just promising people. I didn't just have good intentions. I was doing something something about it. So I think they could see, even though I was making no money, I was 20 years old, that one, I was doing whatever it took to provide for myself, but I was also preparing for what I was going to do. I wasn't just saying, I wasn't just making promises because promises are meaningless. It's about preparation. And so let me ask you this again, where is there a gap between your intentions and the destination that you want to end up, your direction. Where, where, where is there a gap? And would you humble yourself this morning and say, I don't know the way. I don't know the steps. But just like in, in any other job, in any other facet of life, if I'm if I wanna end up somewhere, I'm probably gonna go find someone that's living the way I wanna live, that's got the job that I wanna have, and I'm gonna to go to them and I approach them and say, how did, I, how did you get to where you're, what do I need to do to get to where you are, to experience what you're experiencing? I'm gonna say in that, what I'm saying is, I don't know the way, I don't know the steps, but clearly you do, so I'm gonna do what you did. And when it comes to life, when it comes to every area of life, we better be doing that with Jesus. I don't know the steps, but Jesus, you do. It's not one, two, three, it's follow me. Would you pray with me? God, I pray this morning that you would, by your spirit, give us the humility to confess that we don't know the way. We don't know the steps to take, but you do. And so we step towards you today. 
That's, that's our step. It's to say we don't know the way and then to step towards you, our good and perfect shepherd, our good and perfect father who wants what's best for us. We step towards you to follow you, Jesus, because we trust you. We trust that you know what's best and we trust that you want what's best for us. And so fill our hearts with trust this morning to take that step towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.